You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Second down and two, the handoff to Penny. At the 15, at the 10, at the 5. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop, going to look. Gets hit, goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. Usually, it is a joyful start to this podcast as we get excited about the Seahawks game and football matchups and diving into the numbers and the stats and what we think might happen on Sunday. But John Boyle from Seahawks.com, I think football is kind of taking a little bit of a back seat this week when you think about the context of everything that we saw on Monday. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the whole football world took a pause Monday with what happened in that uh, Bills and Bengals game with Demar Hamlin and. Luckily, you know, as we record this on Thursday, that the news seems to be getting better each day, and everybody's very happy for that. But yeah, it was. Uh, look, we we know guys get hurt all the time in the sport, and we've seen guys take annoying ambulances with injuries. But it's it's different when it's like this, and the guys going through that on the field. So it was it was really tough to see. Well, and for all the injuries that you've seen, and for as serious as collisions have looked, what you're expecting and anticipating is some sort of thumbs up, right? And and you know when you see it in real time. I think, again, we take that part for granted, too, that everybody's going to be able to give you that sign and that optimism. We did not see that on Monday. What we did see is a huge outpouring of support for DeMar Hamlin, for the Bills organizations, for the doctors who are treating him. And we saw a lot of compassion and empathy and conversations in the NFL community and certainly with the Seahawks team. One of the things that immediately happened with our players is they went right to right to group texting and, and talking about how much they appreciate one another and how much they love each other and how much they I'll be there for you and all of that uh, was the immediate response that happened uh, with our players and so hopefully we're doing this really well and we our best of wishes to the family and, and uh, the Hammonds and the whole crew and so um, that's where we are on that. Given how heavy the mood was earlier this week, it's hard to imagine that you shift gears so easily to focus on a game Sunday, John. But one thing that Pete said was, look, this is how our guys know how to respond. They want to get back to work. And just because you get back on the field doesn't mean that it doesn't weigh on you and that you're not thinking about him and that you're not thinking about the risks that you take. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's he's going to be on everyone's mind this week. But I do think for a lot of guys, not, not everyone's the same, but I think for a lot of guys, when you're going through something, whether it's in your personal life or seeing this situation, it can help to get back to sort of a normal routine and get ready for football. And I think, you know, we're, the Bills are going to get back to practicing this week. And I think maybe that can be kind of healing for guys there. So it, it will certainly help everyone if the news continues to trend the way it has been. The, you know, the reports Thursday morning were very positive. So I think guys are going to feel a little better about getting out there on Sunday if they keep hearing good news. Well, and as Quandre Diggs said earlier this week, it's also about hugging your family, calling mm-hmm. your mom before the game. And DK Metcalf has been through a critical situation in his career in college. And he talked about that this week. He broke his neck. He was in surgery. They weren't sure what the prognosis was going to be at the time. So when you hear him kind of talk about things, John, you he's – He's had a wake-up call, is yeah. what he said. Yeah, and I think and to a much lesser extent, Quandary, I mean, he acknowledged it wasn't the same thing, but he said, you know, from a career standpoint, he had that wake-up call last year, breaking his leg, and, you know, it 
turned out to be not too serious, but in the moment, you just don't know. So I think, you know, as DK Metcalf said, these guys, they play this sport, understand the risk. Like, look, nobody expects there to be a cardiac arrest situation on the field, but they do know there's a lot of risk involved in the sport. So I think that maybe they can cope with these situations a little better than you and I could, where you see it, you're like, how could you ever go do that again? I think they've been playing this game long enough to know that there's, you know, some risk involved every time they're out there. Well, and for a Week 18 game that has a lot on the line, I think that would have been motivation enough. But as DK said this week, Monday, it does help put things in perspective a little bit more. The situation that happened Monday, I think it's just best that we all uh, not take a play for granted or take a game for granted because it could be taken away from you at any moment. So um, I don't think that's going to cross anybody's mind, whether that be the Seahawks or the Lions or any other team in the NFL. Um, It's just a blessing just to play on Sundays or any day. So I don't think anybody's going to have that mentality. Well, and of course, he's mentioning the Lions because of the way that the schedule played out. And John, I know it seems like a petty complaint now in context of DeMar Hamlin and everything that's happening. But this legitimately affects Seattle's playoff hopes. And to be fair, Seattle had plenty of opportunities during the course of the year to take care of business. I'm not saying that they didn't, but... I'm not sure the NFL did the Seahawks any favors. No, they didn't. I mean, look, it's they talk about competitive balance, and you go back to 2017, and there's a situation where they couldn't find a game to put in Sunday Night Football that didn't you know, have this kind of effect, so they just didn't do Sunday Night Football. Now you've got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers with a chance to clinch a playoff berth, and ooh, that's good ratings. Let's go ahead and put them on Sunday Night Football. So, you know, look, I get why Seahawks fans are a little miffed, but Pete Carroll and the team is messaging this the right way of, you know, it goes back to the classic control that you can control, and the Seahawks don't control the NFL schedule, so they got to go play their butts off and try to get a win and then hope for the best. And I do think, you know, we've been hearing from Detroit all week, and we heard Pete Carroll talk about it, the the Lions, regardless of what happens, even if they're eliminated, they're going to want to fight. They, you know, they love to play spoilers against their division rival. They, you know, they haven't had a lot of success lately, so they could see this as kind of a good building point. But there's human nature as well. Okay, yes, I know. But <laughs> let's get into this because yes. I have heard people say this on both sides. Now, I realize that broaching this subject in the locker room, th- this is a tough one, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't know how these guys are going to respond. And I heard KJ talk about it this week where he's like, look, you start making business decisions for yourself. And instead of going 100%, maybe you go 90%. That's the difference in the game. But I asked Uchenna Nuosu about this. And he was like, so what? I still have goals that I would have to, that I'm trying to reach. Like, there are guys that have incentives that they're trying to reach. There's personal goals, so there's that part of it. Yeah. The and- other part of it is personal pride, right? Like, how you don't really know how to dial it down. Yeah, and, I, you know, you hear this all the time from guys in the law sports. It's like, when you get hurt is when you don't yeah. go 100%. So I think these guys, yeah, I, I just, maybe there's a tiny intangible letdown if you find out an hour before kickoff you're out of the playoffs, which is what would happen if the Seahawks do win. Um, but they're going to fight hard, as you said. I mean, the other thing, we hear this all the time from guys late in the season if a team's at contention, like, they're playing for their careers. Like, there's, yeah. if, I mean, look, if, if more you're than a, in any other sport, if you're a star yes. player, like, whatever, it doesn't matter. But if you're, two-thirds of NFL rosters, those guys are not super secure in their futures. They know that, like, okay, if I'm not under contract, I'm playing for my next contract. Even if I am, you know, is a team going to make a financial decision on me? So, yeah, I just, I don't think there's going to be a huge difference either way. But it's, you know, it would be nicer to just see it play out more fairly where the Lions go into that game 
on even footing of thinking they're playing for a playoff berth. Yeah, and I also, I go back to the thing that you said about division opponent. It would be like the Seahawks playing the 49ers in the final week of the season. Those guys, that's not, there's too much. I you don't want to like say the Rams, bad blood. like I, the Rams playing the Seahawks. Okay, week, wait, I don't, I, I don't, I know, I'm, I'm not going this. there yet. <laughs> but I'm not going to say there's bad blood, but you want bragging rights. And yeah. there's no, like Justin Coleman said this week, there is no way Dan Campbell doesn't have those guys fired up. Exactly. I mean, he's like the, we see it in all the clips, all the hard knock stuff. He's like the ultimate motivating coach. And I think there's a little extra to it when it's a division where the dynamic for, you know, so long has yes. been, you got one team up here on top and everybody else kind of fighting for crumbs. It When somebody's finally got a chance to knock Green Bay down a peg and get them out of playoffs, you bet they're going to be fired up for that. Yeah, if you think we're tired of hearing about Aaron Rodgers, yeah. imagine how Detroit. tired exactly. they are. Besides that... Quandre Diggs, who played in Detroit for a number of times, for a number of years, excuse me, he's willing to sweeten the pot for his former teammates. I mean, God works in mysterious ways, don't he? And for me, it's just like you hit up your old friends out there like, hey, I wouldn't mind taking y'all to taking y'all on vacation if y'all go ahead and get a dub. You know, I'll pay for y'all vacation. So you just try to you you just try to handle your business, first of all. And, you know, we're going to have a hard test just like they're going to have a hard test. And. Um, for us, we need to handle our business and, you know, just kind of let it all play out. But I, I, I would be lying if I didn't, if I, if I told you guys I didn't hit up some of my friends over there already and told them, you know, y'all handle business and get it done. And um, I know what A-Rod's thinking. I know he's living for this moment of going in and go beat the Lions so he can talk trash. It's one of those where you're like, oh, it's funny joking about that. And like, is he? I, I don't know that he <laughs> is joking. I mean, luckily for his checkbook, if he's not, he doesn't have a ton of former teammates still there. So he's not offering <laughs> vacations to like 20 To dudes. everybody. Yeah, it's been but a few maybe, years. I mean, maybe that group grows. Maybe. I don't Who know. knows? Yeah. I don't know. But as he mentions, the Seahawks do have a tough task this week. It is the Rams, and I don't care that their season has not gone as planned. It was a close game when these yeah, teams I mean, played in early December. And you could argue that they maybe upgraded a quarterback. I, I don't I don't really know, but here's what I do know, John. For all the numbers that I have in front of me, you can't rely on that for this game. No. I mean, it's look, Sean McVay is still a good enough coach that any given game, they can look really dangerous. We saw it in spurts against the Seahawks last time. And as you said, that game went right down the wire. I mean, it required that late touchdown drive from Geno Smith and the offense to to get that game. So, uh, yeah, you cannot, like, as much as we talked about uh, the scenarios with Detroit and and Green Bay, like, you can't look ahead to Sunday night and worry about that because this is going to be a tough one. As you said, Baker Mayfield seems to be an upgrade. It hasn't been super consistent with their offense, but he's he's given them some elements that, I mean, look, he was number one pick for a reason. It hasn't all worked out for him, but he's got a level of talent that a lot of guys don't. Well, and again, you go back to those numbers, has not been very consistent over the last four weeks. The Rams in general, 281 yards of total offense a game. That is the second fewest in the NFL. They're scoring 16 points a game. That is tied for the second fewest. Uh, the team scoring the fewest points is dead. Denver with 16. So the Rams 16.1, Denver with 16 on that one. I think some of it is the weapons that he has to throw to and and to get the ball to. There hasn't been Cooper Cup for a long time. Cam Akers has come on in the last couple of weeks. But really, when you ask defensive coordinator Clint Hurt and when you ask Pete Carroll about what Baker Mayfield is doing well, they really do point back to the scheme and the head coach. 
we're really seeing, you know, Sean's offense. You know, they, they, he's done a great job. I mean, he, I'm talking about the coaches have done a great job to make this transition. Go back to the Raider game, which is nobody can imagine how that could have happened, but they pulled off, a, you know, a historic miracle game. Um, but they did it by going right back to the basics. They have great, they have a great system. And it's a great coaching staff, and that's they've proven that. And and uh, so they have a wealth of things, that, and they've adapted to the different quarterbacks that have played, even starting, you know, with, with uh, Stafford. And so. Uh, we re I recognize what they're doing. You know, we've seen it before and seen how they do their stuff, and, and uh, have a lot of respect for it. And as you said, Clinton Hurt talked about this too. Of you know, the the mobility Baker Mayfield, the way he plays allows them to kind of get back to a lot of their kind of bread and butter offense. It's you know, as you said, there's not the weapons to quite make it work as well, but um, I, I do think that makes them more dangerous. And it, it's funny hearing Pete. I, we've heard this a few times, both with Shanahan and McVay. You can tell there's a lot of respect for both those coaches, the way they do things, and even with the Rams struggling this season and, you know, not having a lot of success win loss wise, Pete Carroll's not for a second overlooking this team. And a lot of that is because of McVay. Well, and Baker Mayfield will be playing in his fifth game for the Rams. He is completing 67% of his passes, four touchdowns, one interceptions, 12 sacks. That offensive line that was so good for the Rams during They've their Super Bowl up. run. They have been beat up. Havenstein dealing with a knee injury. They do expect him to play this week, but any other changes on a line that looks nothing like the one that they had last year when they won the Super Bowl, well, that could, uh, that could be opportunity for the Seahawks. And the Seahawks, they are looking at regardless of how this game goes offensively for Seattle they've got some guys that are closing in on some big marks I'm mm -hmm. thinking about Kenneth Walker I'm thinking about yards for Tyler Lockett take the playoffs out of it there's a lot on the line for individuals this week yeah I mean just some really cool accomplishments guys can reach in terms of milestones potentially awards for the rookies both those guys are Strong candidates for rookie of the year. Kenneth Walker can be just the second thousand yard rush, rookie, thousand yard rusher in franchise history. Woolen's still tied for the league leading interceptions. So, some really cool stuff. Um, the Tyler Lockett one, he, he can match Steve Largent for the most consecutive thousand yard seasons, which is pretty darn good company. Well, and he's only 16 yards away from that thousand yard season. When he reaches that, because I can't imagine Tyler not, knock on wood, I know. <laughs> and when Ken Walker reaches his milestone, it would be just the second time in franchise history the Seahawks have two 1,000-yard receivers and a 1,000-yard rusher. It, I think that that's amazing when you think about where we started the conversation at the beginning of the year and what you thought might happen with the offense. Yeah, I mean, the receivers, you had to know that was a, a good shot for them to do that. But going on the season, you got, you know, Rashad Penny's your lead back, and you didn't know yet what you had in Walker. So it's, it's a heck of an accomplishment. Are you going to tell us the other – is the trivia question here? The no. Other? Oh. I was just going to say that. Make people look it up themselves? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> you can go and do whatever you want to do. Here's what I was going to ask, though. Um, so you mentioned Tariq Woolen, who I thought had a fantastic game last week. Also, Sauce Gardner, he's good. He, they were so close, John. Yeah. They were so close to doing what I said. Ah, oh, was so close. Here's what I, here, here's the question I'm going to pose to you. And then we have a big name to get to, but I am saving that for the end. Sauce Gardner, Jalen Ramsey. Both are fantastic when it comes to passes defense. Jalen Ramsey, 15 passes defense that is tied for the second most in the league. Sauce has more than that. Tariq right below him in the standings. Tariq's never going to have that personality, right? 
I mean, I, I say that in the most kinda, positive yeah. way, right? Like he's always going to be Tariq. He just seems shoot, like a much more right? kind of mellow, laid back guy than those yeah. two, which, you know, it works for him. It, I like do, it. I, it works. It's just so interesting because they have such different personality styles. It works on the field, but I just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah, very I don't, curious I don't to ever see, see Tariq kind of popping off like the way Jalen Ramsey might, but who knows? You know? I, do, I also can't hear him when he's on the field. Yeah. He might be the worst trash talker in the entire world. No idea. <laughs> Not a single clue. Speaking of trash talk. I know. Speaking <laughs> of trash talkers. I know where you're going. And before we get there, let's get a word from our presenting sponsor. The best stories aren't the ones you're told. They're the ones you live. Meeting people in person. Facing challenges face-to-face. Getting out of your hometown and your comfort zone. Delta knows how important it is to see a different point of view from a different point of view. So for those who want their own story to tell, Delta Airlines has a world full of places to start. Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Bobby Wagner returns to Seattle for the first time since joining the Rams. Where do you think he stops when he's in town? Where do you think he goes? Do you think he hits up his favorite restaurant? Do you think he goes and hangs out at KJ's house? I, like, you know, I bet maybe hanging out town, some friends. You know, they, they're not going to be here very long. They'll probably fly in on Saturday and get a little free time that evening. I, I would guess maybe maybe friends come meet him for dinner, but I could see him going to somebody's house and having a little, a little something with his teammates. But who knows? Maybe he just is going to go in, you know, anti-Seahawks mode and not, not associate with anyone I mean, I look, know. we know there's a lot of love there, but he's he's going to be fired up on Sunday. He's going to be fired up. I know. That would be the only thing, because when I travel, it doesn't matter that it's a work day and that I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do. Like, I have a list of things that I want to yeah. do in cities that are you know, reasonable, like not yeah, over but you don't have as many meetings and walkthroughs as they do on a Saturday. So, Well, I have none on a Saturday, exactly. but even on a work day, I still find things. How did this somehow... I don't, you guys don't need to know what I do on Saturdays. What we do need to know is how the 12s are going to respond to Bobby Wagner. I can only imagine the welcome that he will get. And I think Pete Carroll's thinking the same thing. They're going to be great. They, they, they love him. They, they're, I think they're going to welcome him back. I just think that's what will happen. And then if he makes a tackle or something, then maybe they don't give him as much love. You know, I don't know. He's going to make some hits in this game. Uh, he's playing good ball and, and doing good stuff. But um, I, I They'll do the right thing. Whatever it is, they'll do it. And then when we get to the game, I think we're going to see Bobby. I, look, the fans, I, it's going to be awesome. I think there's going to be so much love when he takes that field. But in game, I, one of my favorite things about that last game was the way that Bobby and his old friends were going at it. Just John, I mean, he was getting Tyler Lockett into the trash. I, you expect I, yeah. it from DK Metcalf, <laughs> but you watch, you go back and watch that game, and Tyler's chirping at him, and it was just, it was so fun to see those guys. And you know, you know, in the their their competitors, Bobby Wagner talked about this in his press conference. He, he likened it to you know, if you're playing basketball with just kind of a friend or an acquaintance, it's one thing. But if you're playing with a family member, like your brother, like you know how to get under each other's skin and you, you get, you know, you really get after it. And that's what that felt like. And I think maybe it even gets more ramped up because he's at, you know, back at his old stomping ground. It, you know, he talked about playing spoiler. He knows what's at stake for the Seahawks and he'd love to ruin that for them. So it's going to be a really fun subplot of this game. Just watching a, how Bobby Wagner plays because he was phenomenal in the last game 
and B, just kind of all the trash talk between them and then also how the fans respond. Well, and currently, because of the injuries, partly because of the injuries the Rams have dealt with on defense, right now Bobby Wagner leads the Rams in tackles. That was the case when we played him back in December. But he also leads the team in sacks with six. And as Pete Carroll said this week, I was like, I don't remember him ever rushing the passer that much. In fact, he is having one heck of a season. I don't know, 120 some tackles again. Here he goes again. You know, I, I'm not sure the exact number. A couple picks. Uh, he's got six sacks. You know, it's a, that, I don't remember him ever getting that many sacks. He has rushed a lot in their system, where it's been a challenge. You know, you know, going there and you know, following last year and all that stuff. I think he's probably been a real steady voice for them and, and factor for them. I would. I can't imagine him being anything but that. Yeah, it will be fun to see Bobby. And you know what? I I kind of hope that there's something planned for him. Some highlights, shout out on the video board. Yeah, maybe get him a little emotional, like on the teary side of things, instead of the fired up side of Bobby. Because when he gets like when he gets big, like his he he does look like a ninja turtle that has got all of his powers, and it's it's pretty phenomenal. Hey, guess what? You know that trivia question that I left you hanging on? Did 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 you get a little help on that one? I got. (laughs) Thank you, NASA. (laughs) Our producer taking care of you. Also, you had the book in front of you the entire time. You made NASA do work that he did not have to I didn't have bring it do. up. This was your topic, so I want to give you <laughs> – I, I used to assume if you bring it up, you know the answer. I wasn't trying to put you in a spot. I just wanted to the last you time, share your knowledge. Shush, the last time the Seahawks had two wide receivers with 1,000 yards and a running back with 1,000 yards happened in the year 1995. Brian Blades and Joey Galloway, each over 1,000 yards. And Chris Warren was your running back that had over 1,300 yards. There good, you go. good bit of info. I'm glad. There Thank, you go. Thanks for the knowledge. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to go first on our two things okay. uh, that we need to see this week because <laughs> it's going to roll right into that. And I need to see Ken Walker get those yards. Because not just is it going to be the biggest milestone in his career, I've already talked to him about that, something that he did not envision happening when he came in the season, had no goal set for how many yards he thought he was going to get. But if Ken Walker is doing that, it means that the running game is doing exactly what they are supposed to do. We have seen it the last two weeks. I need to see Ken Walker. Ideally, he tops 100 yards rushing for any number of reasons, not just that milestone, not just for time of possession in the game and and all of the good things that happen. On the flip side of that, I need to see Tanner Muse and Cody Barton do a great job in stopping the run because there is no Jordan Brooks for the rest of the season. We didn't even touch on that. Um... He is out, and you know that the Rams want to run the ball. Cam Akers has gone over 100 yards each of the last two games. So I'm going to say running game, both sides you of this one. You can't take both? Yes, I can. <laughs> I went first because you made fun well, of me. I, so that's how that oh, worked okay. today. Because I was going to go with Akers, too. I mean, he's got 142 yards the last two games, averaging over five a carry his last three games. So it, to your point, that's going to be their number one guy. Baker Mayfield can do some things, but – I feel a lot better about this defense performing well if you can make them one-dimensional, especially we've seen the Seahawks pass rush get going. Daryl Taylor's looking phenomenal the last couple weeks, so let them tee off and play from ahead a little bit with with no run game to worry about, and I think this defense could have a really good day. Other side, keep... We finally, finally got finally, it. I've been talking finally, about this finally. for weeks. I knew you were going Turnover there. free game. I've been asking for it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and we got it, and we saw how much that helped them win a game. 
I mean, best, you know, it was the best game they played for a lot of reasons, but one reason is they took care of the football and they got the football. So keep winning that turnover battle. It makes it a heck of a lot easier. When you and play. it would make it really fun to talk about after the game. Of course, the conversation doesn't end there as we will be waiting to see what happens with the Packers and the Lions on Sunday night. But regardless, we will be back with you next week with another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.